This is episode number 178 with Justin Kemperman and Brandon Monaghan of The Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. The Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Seth Ghost, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Barbara Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. Hope you're having an awesome day wherever you are around the world, wherever you're dialing in. My name is Nathan Chan and I'm coming to you live from hometown, homegrown Melbourne, Australia. I'm the CEO of Founder Magazine and also the host of this podcast. If you're just joining us for the first time, we interview some of the greatest entrepreneurs of our generation and really just find out what it takes to build and grow a successful business and really try to understand and learn from their experiences. So you can get a bit of a shortcut and you can learn from their mistakes. And we're doing something a little different in this episode. It is part three of three of the Start and Scale Spotlight series in the trenches where we interview just entrepreneurs, everyday entrepreneurs like you or I listening right now, where they're in the trenches. They may not have have achieved the kind of success that we all want to achieve, but they're killing it. They're in our community. And this is the last part of this Start and Scale Spotlight series. And today's guests are Justin Kemperman and Brandon Monaghan. And this is a very, very inspiring story. It highlights not only the opportunity with what you can do with building an online e-commerce business or an online business in general, but what you can do with a great partnership and how these guys have absolutely killed it when it comes to building and growing online stores. So they are enrolled in our Start and Scale course taught by Greta Rose Van Reel, killer course. If you want to check it out, you can go to founder.com forward slash e-commerce. So F-O-U-N-D-R.com forward slash e-commerce. And uh, geez, these guys built a business, uh, an eyelash business, and they ended up selling it recently, they told me. And they got it from like, you know, zero to 
to 500 grand, I think, in about three months, if I recall correctly, because I, I record this afterwards, but very interesting. Even more interesting is Justin uh, is 17 years old, uh, which is absolutely insane. Um, I'm just going to leave it at that, but what they talk about, what they share around how they've scaled their store, incredible. You know, absolutely love it. I know a lot of you guys are writing to me saying you're loving this series. Definitely keeping this in mind and probably going to do a few more of these every now and then. Just as a good mix up, just these in the trenches type series with everyday founders just like you or I. And, uh, you know, many of you have said listening to these kind of people where they're in the community, on the ground, it actually makes looking like success much more attainable. But Anyways, guys, I'm not going to ramble anymore. I hope you're enjoying these episodes. If you are, please do take the time to leave us a review on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, you name it. It helps us more than you can imagine. And also, please do share this with your friends. I know that you must have some other founders that you're friends with or business owners, entrepreneurs. Please do share this. Spread the word. I'm on a mission with Founder and our whole team. Everything we do, we obsess about building a household name, entrepreneurial brand, helping tens of millions of people on a weekly basis. We're not there yet. I'm on a five to seven year journey to get there. I'd love your help. Please do share this. All right, guys, that's it from me. Now let's jump on the show. The first question that I ask everyone that comes on is, how did you get your job? Now, I know that there's two of you on the line on, on a separate line. So so who wants who wants to kind of answer that one? Uh and yeah, just kind of I'd love to hear how you guys started doing what you're doing today. Well, we both come from different backgrounds. I come from uh childhood and you know, I've I started off reselling and uh, then I got into other internet marketing and then I kept on building up into bigger things and now I'm partnered with Brandon and uh, we launch and scale successful e-commerce stores. Brandon has, uh, he started from having a job and then he's gone into Kindle and similar businesses I have. And uh, right when we got to know each other, we really clicked off very well. And then a year after knowing each other, we partnered. Yeah. And so keep in mind, Justin is 17. So uh, (laughs) I actually, I actually met him, I think when you're 15, Justin and all online in a mastermind group for Amazon. So yeah. And about a year after knowing him is when we were like, we need to team up and, and do something. Cause we both had very similar goals and uh, two different strengths that worked well together. Interesting. And what, what are your two different strengths? And then also, could you tell me about, I know you got a few different companies, but in particular, the company uh, that, um, you know, you, you enrolled in the Start Scale course and you use the Start Scale framework to grow that company. I'm really curious. But yeah, tell, tell me about your different strengths. Well, so in in regards to, you know, how everything went with Start and Scale is we had for the most part just focused around an internet marketing business. Was It was a more cash flow oriented internet marketing style business. Um, we... Mm-hmm found start and scale because we both wanted something a little bit more sustainable a little bit more substantial something that you you're a little bit more proud to talk about with people so um when we found that course and went through it you know we had huge takeaways just from from us you know the biggest thing i think was um 
which we still is our biggest mindset is we don't need to reinvent the wheel. Um, we just kind of, you kind of have to just perfect it, do something different. So that's kind of what changed our whole previous business model into what we're focusing on now, you know, taking, taking something that, that already works and just making it better or more unique. And with that, I would say Justin is the more analytical numbers oriented kind of guy. Then I guess I would take over more of the creative um, team building type of side. Got you. So uh, you're more the marketing kind of guy? No, I would say um, both of us are definitely the marketing side. But I guess as with marketing, you have your back end analytics, your data, um, your KPIs, you know, all of that. And then you also have your front end, um, how, how an ad should look and feel, how a video should look and feel, et cetera. Got you. So can you guys tell me about, uh, I know you've got a few different companies, you've got a lot of stuff going on, but can you tell me about the company in particular that um, used the Start and Scale framework? And um, yeah, look, I really appreciate what, what you said, because you are right, you know, that um, you know, when it comes to doing an e-commerce play or, or building a physical product-based business, drop shipping is the rage at the moment. But, you know, there are other alternatives and, and the, you know, the, 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 with, there's pros and cons with the every model, right? But the thing with drop shipping is that, one, it's, you know, you, you're very, very relying on media buying and, and, and you have to be good at PPC. But then also another thing is you don't have, like you don't own the products, you don't have a brand, um, so you're basically selling other people's products. Yes, there is there's power in that, but at the same time, you're not really building necessarily an asset-based business that could one day be sold or, yeah, it just, there's just flaws to each model. And I think um, you guys have probably made that strong realisation after you did the, the Start Scale course where, you know, Greta, um, she teaches how to build a, a really substantial and significant brand that uh, is very, very powerful. So... Yeah, tell me, tell me about what you guys did. I, I think people would really love to hear like your success and the stuff that you guys have done. And I want to dive much deeper. So we were running our general store, which was basically an e-commerce store that would sell all types of products. And we do it mostly for cash flow. And we were making good income at the time. And we've always wanted to have a real brand that has some actual value to it. So we would keep on testing products until we would find a good product that we think that we could build a brand around. So going through Greta's course, through the Start and Scale course, that really opened our eyes to how we need to start a brand and the value of it. So then once we found the right product, then we were able to make a whole e-commerce store around it and brand it the way we want it. So it has some actual value. And the funny thing is my mom actually told us to test magnetic eyelashes because she heard that was a new trend. So we tested it on our general store and it worked. It was making us some money. So we decided, why don't we just build a brand around this? We can probably expand our product line down the road. So we launched it. Uh, called We launched a new e-commerce store called the Urban Lash. We ordered 15,000 units of the product because it was already selling pretty well. And we got it private labeled. So it had professional packaging and the, it was very branded and it wasn't just a generic product anymore. So yeah. from there, we just started split testing all of our different ad copies. We split tested different creatives, different photos, different thumbnails, and different videos until we found the right videos that and the right message that really appeals to our audience. 
So then it wasn't that really wasn't that hard to scale up the brand just through PPC advertising, and uh, we did some influencer marketing, and that's just what Brandon and I already know about. We took the brand from zero to half a million in just I think two and a half months or so, just because we had our message right and we had a professional website and a professional brand, and that's a lot of what we learned in uh, the Start and Scale course. Yeah, I think just kind of adding to that exactly like we. We had basic, you know, fundamentals to just digital marketing, but creating something that was beyond just a cash flow business was learning the um, picking, picking the right product, how to tweak it to make it better or more unique, how to position position yourself to be able to sell that, and um, then having you know a kick-ass brand um, overall. And I think that, in addition to what we knew, just took us to such a such a next level. Mm. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. Well, geez, that's, that's just unbelievable. I, I'm, I'm really curious, guys, um, when it comes to, you said that you have a general store and you looked to see whether products were hot or not. How, how would you gauge, like how, what, how do you gauge whether a product is hot or selling well? Like what, 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 what metrics? I'm curious around that. So we literally have a store that, you know, you, you could almost call it like, an, like a mini Amazon or or a mini Walmart, and we will make videos around products that we want to see how the market reacts to it, and we'll we'll put out the video, run um, some advertisements to it, and see you know what kind of um, return we get back from it, if any. And then that's where, um, yeah, I mean that's that's basically the foundation of, of it is is just test, test, test. And beyond that, again, going back to start and scale, we never took it that next step after that. We never decided, oh, we can build a brand around this and have a sustainable product or a sustainable brand. You know, everything was so much more short lived, I guess you could say. And when it comes to, I guess you said, you said, you guys said that you, you do, you, you test with ads and you put out like creative and get your copy and creative dialed in. Like, can you give people an understanding around the, the scale of, of how many variations that you guys are trying with your ads and your copy and your creative to, to find something that gets dialed in? So normally when we test a product, we would do just a regular creative, just a regular simple copy, a cool photo or a cool video that we would make. And uh, that's how we would test the product. But once we launched the brand, then we realized that we need to be able to find the right message so it appeals to our audience and so we can get a better return on on our ad spend. So we would probably, I, I remember we tested probably 20 different types of headlines. We tested if we should use a discount code in the Facebook ad copy or not. And we tested, should we use one link or two? And we just split tested it through using multiple ads within ad sets and also having uh, multiple ad sets with one ad in each one. And we would find out what ad works best. And once we find out what what headline works best, what video works best, and what thumbnail works best, we can put it all together into one ad. And then that ad is what we would scale up until um, there's always a point where an, an ad wouldn't be profitable anymore because of ad fatigue and uh, the audience gets bored of the ad. So then we would have to find a new ad that's that still appeals to our audience, but is different so it stands out again. So yeah. that's basically how we scaled up the brand. It was pretty simple once we figured out our message. And uh, having a professional brand really, really helps get sales yeah. a lot easier. 
and from there, you know, to generate content, we were mailing out our brand to influencers. So, you know, if that influencer didn't give you a lot of traffic or um, a lot of exposure, you at least have really solid content that we're able to go advertise with. So the videos that they would make us, um, we could then turn that into advertising content or, or you know, or or whatever on the on the front end, and. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, <laughs> I could go into that for forever. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Let, let's keep talking about that. Cause that's one thing that I know a lot of people find quite intimidating is, is influencer marketing, how to do it, you know, all this stuff. Right. And, and, you know, Greta's a superstar at this, but um, she goes through it in the course, but I, I'm curious, you know, you guys were sending product to people. Um, and this is one thing I actually learned from the high smile guys when I spoke to them, and they work with like Kylie Jenner, you know, uh, Conor McGregor. Is is they're actually more focused on the content and less on the return? So can you tell us about that? The content, yeah, exactly. Because and and another huge shift that I think like everyone's seeing is that before, like you were just talking about the Kylie Jenners, you know, everyone used to want to just go after the Kylie Jenners, and now I feel like it's a lot more powerful if you go if you start small and scale bigger. So kind of our approach was, all right, let's find people with a thousand followers and under who have great content. So people who want to grow their pages and will do videos of our product for free. We sent those people ground level, starting the brand first. We sent them our product first. Then we went to, let's let's look for people now with 10,000 followers and under, because they still might do it for free. They might have some better content, more exposure. And then we kind of built our way up. And by that point, you now have tons and tons of different micro influencers who who give you content and exposure through a, a ton of different channels versus dropping, you know, your 10 to 50 grand on your Kylie Jenners who are one channel, one outlet and, and one piece of marketing content. Mm, yeah, I think that's really smart. Um, can you guys tell me, like, when you're doing your ads, what sort of return, what, what sort of uh, CAC, like, cost on, you know, to, to acquire a customer are, are you guys, guys going for? So we set up all of our businesses so that the product cost is one-fourth or less of the product cost plus shipping plus fulfillment is one-fourth or less of the sale price. So um, then we can expect a 2x ROAS, so two times return on ad spend. So if we spend $10,000 on ads, we should expect $20,000 in revenue back. And uh, because the fulfillment cost would only be 25%, say $5,000, that means we would have $5,000 in profit back. So normally we would be able to achieve a a 2x ROAS and then be able to have 25% margins. But Eventually, as in all products in their life cycle, the cost per acquisition will go up. So then we had to get creative. So we were able to build out a, a cart hook funnel. So then after the oh, purchase sorry? of the, a cart hook funnel, it's so after the purchase of the product, after they would click buy it now and then enter their credit card information, shipping, and click purchase, they would have a few upsells. So this way we're, we were able to increase our average order value by selling them more magnetic eyelashes for a cheaper price and also trying to push additional products that are related. So then once we got a higher average order value, we, we were able to maintain a two X while still scaling. 
Yeah, that was that was definitely a huge, a huge, huge part. In addition to, like Justin was saying earlier, you do get so much uh, like audience and product fatigue that you need to keep. The biggest thing I think it's something we learned about this was that you always want to be giving out your product for for influencers to keep promoting and and giving you content because things get fatigued very quickly. The same video can only be seen so many times by your target audience, you know? Mm, Yeah, I I think that's really, really smart. So focusing on raising the average order value because you can pay more to acquire a customer. Uh, So just to be very, very clear, you guys are scaling through Facebook ads, but you're profitable on the front end, correct? Exactly. Yep. And then we focus very hard on the back end though, too. Um, a shout out to another local, uh, Australian is, um, Jason Williamson, his, uh, E2 agency. We hired them, I think for our first one of our, yeah, for this urban lash, we hired them to do our email marketing. And, uh, yeah, they, they're extremely good with e-commerce and we learn we need to focus on what we're good at and let other people take on other roles if we want to be able to grow quickly um, and profitably. So we aim for profitability on the front end, profitability break even on the front end um, because you also have your retargeting ads, your, your retargeting in other areas. But email with a brand, when you get a good brand, not just a cash flow business, when you get a good brand, you can get email up to, I think, Justin, what was our high? Like 25% of our revenue, mm-hmm. which was really impressive. Yeah. And that's just free money right there. We might pay a few grand a month for the email marketing service, Clavio, and then also for the email marketing copywriters, we might pay a few grand for that. But after that, it's all profit and you know fulfillment cost. But the profit margins on the back-end email are just so high that even breaking even on the front-end is totally worth it. But we would still aim for profitability, which we we were able to achieve most of the time. Yeah, wow, that's pretty smart. I'm really curious. So, like, on average, like, so let's so because I think it's smart, you guys are, it's, it's awesome that you guys are acquiring customers on the front-end profitably. So that means the amount of money, because usually most companies, not all, but Usually the goal of most companies is to acquire a customer, spend money on ads, uh, acquire that customer at break even, and then on the back end, because now you have that person into your ecosystem, into your world, you can, you know, you can build trust, you can show them, you know, more content, you can, you can, you can build, provide value and, you know, show, show them other products and services and whatnot. And that's where your email marketing really kicks in. I'm really curious, like, you know, once somebody comes into your guys' world, you've acquired them. They're they're a customer, um, which is which is another strong thing. There's there's a big difference between a customer who's someone that, that buys products and somebody that just looks for free. You know, free like isn't prepared to pay for stuff. So that you're building a great email database of customers, clients that you know get your awesome product. Out of curiosity, what kind of percentage or, or on the back end would you guys look for in terms of conversions that, that's what i'm really curious you could look to convert three percent four percent of your 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 email email database like well, talk to us about that most of our email database would be from abandoned carts and having their email or from having previous buyers so they've all most most of them have already bought or have intended on buying so at that point, we just have to bring them back to finish their order 
or to buy more eyelashes or a similar or related product. And then we also do have a pop-up on on just a product page. If they've waited a little while, then there would be a pop-up which collects your email too. And then at that point, they would go through a funnel. Even if they don't buy, they would go through a funnel which you know introduces them into magnetic eyelashes, what they are, why they're helpful. And uh, that would convert them into a customer too. So most of our email list ends up being a customer. We don't have the exact amount, but I'd say it's a very big majority. Interesting. And I think what's really smart about your guys' product as well with the magnetic eyelashes is it's a very repeatable purchase type product. Like, you know, because these eyelashes have an expiry, right? So you guys would have a really, really strong LTV in the long run, right? Right, Mm -hmm. right. And especially since going back again to Founder, we decided to compete, one, by uniqueness in that it's magnetic it's magnetic eyelash and two the next biggest brand out there was running this for like 70 bucks for a set and we knew that we can beat them by price and volume so that was kind of our way to sneak into the market Mm, very very smart so you had a uvp on also price unique value proposition on price yep Exactly. Yeah. Gotcha. So talk to me about logistics, boys. Like at at this kind of scale, moving this many units, like how do you manage that? Is is that tricky? Is that hard? Like that must be a challenge, right? Well, we were able to link up with a buddy of ours who runs a warehouse out of Florida um, where basically we um, worked out a deal where we would charge a where we were charged a dollar per fulfillment. And a beautiful thing about working with them was that they were able to help source our product and source it with quality, uh, good pricing, the packaging that we desired and everything. So that was a huge step for us, being able to bring it here to the US so that we had USA shipping, because we definitely found that literally putting USA shipping on your product page increased conversions big time. Really? That's interesting. Yep. Um, but again, it's very dependent on who your target audience is. Um, for the most part, we focus on uh, US, UK, Canada, and Australia. But again, but the US still takes home, I would say, you know, majority at least of... Um, of our sales. So having USA shipped was huge. Yeah. So, so what's really nice that we were able to get a good setup with uh, our fulfillment partner, but we did end up, uh, one of the problems that we had is we never really remembered to order back, like order enough in time. So we, we were back ordered at some points because just because that we couldn't get the stuff in fast enough and cause we didn't order at the right time. So and something that we really learned is that we got to place the orders enough in advance so that by the time that we run out, that there's another shipment waiting for us, like in the warehouse. Yeah, because that's because, yeah, I'm sure at the scale that you guys are doing this, um, that would be, you know, stock flow is is, is really critical at scale. Um, I'm also curious, how, how are you guys managing cash flow? Is it, because you're acquiring customer on the front, front end at a profit, it, it, cash flow is OK or still difficult to manage? I'd say it's okay. We're able to put, like, even if we were to start with no money, we could just put it on our credit card. And by the time the credit card wants their money, 
the money's gone through PayPal and Stripe and it's in our bank account to pay it off. So if we run the ads profitably and do it correctly, then there's no real problem with cash flow. One thing is that when we do place the big inventory orders, we might have to drop 40 grand at once, which um, it would be hard for most people, but we've had some money, some money, some cash flow from previous businesses that we could flow into it. Then also having a product that is selling consistently, you're able to place smaller orders too. So we could place 5,000 units at $2 each for our first order, but then order more the next time when we have more profits. So we were able to just reinvest profits into more inventory and more ads. Yeah, got you. And, um, you know, I'm curious as well with the scale that you guys are growing, wouldn't it, you, it would make sense for you guys to just place big, would it make sense for you guys to place bigger and bigger orders because you're going to get economies of scale and per unit's going to be cheaper, which means you can have more margin? Or is it still best to minimize risk at times and, and just go with the MOQ? Or, or you, like, how you guys plan to approach that? Well, we've done both. During slower times, we would order, we would be more conservative and we might order like 5,000 units a week and uh, just keep on having them come in consistently. And then during times that are better, we will, we are willing to risk and we've ordered 20,000 units at once. But we just have to make guesses and uh, be smart with how we order because we have ended up with stale inventory at times too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sure it, it, it is difficult. Okay, um, look, we're going to switch gears here and work towards wrapping up, guys. But I'm really curious around challenges. Like, what, uh, you know, tell us about the hard times because I'm sure it hasn't been all easy, all gravy for you guys. I know you guys, you know, you know your stuff, but and you're seeing a lot of success now. But tell us about the hard times. You know, we really, really work extremely hard. So. Our hard times, like looking back on it, aren't as aren't as difficult. I feel like in the grand scheme of things, but I, but if I, you know, if you really had to, and that and that's another thing about having a really good partner is that it's not as you're kind of going through it with somebody. But I would say if like we really had to pick some of our hardest times, I mean, it'd be it'd be things like um, quality control. I mean, I don't know, Justin, what do you what do you think? I don't I don't think we had really. I mean, with, well, with yeah, this, so we, so we did have a uh, quality quality control issues. Um, like sometimes when customers wouldn't enter their shipping address in properly, there were um, like the whole order gets held at the warehouse. So we've checked our accounts once, and like we had a thousand orders that weren't shipped out for a few weeks just because they were stuck in stuck in the app because someone missed a missed a space on their address, and it was an address hold. So. That was a struggle that we, you know, we eventually just put a system in place where we have a VA that would go into Ship Hero and would fix the address holds. And other hard times we've had is just not having good profitability on the ads. Like there have been days where we've lost a few thousand dollars just because the ads aren't turning profit or because an ad ad got old or many other factors. And we just weren't profitable for that day or sometimes for a week or so. And we've had sales drop before and, uh, you know, we eventually find a way to get it up or it raise the average order value so we can handle the higher ad cost. Um, and then we've also had last summer, like we were switching, like we got out of another business and uh, and like revenue wasn't as high and we were getting started with the Urban Lash. And it was it was tough because, you know, we had all these, you know, consistent bills and employee expenses and stuff that would just keep on piling on us. So it was a lot of stress just, you know, managing the cash flow at that point. Uh, while we were getting started with the Urban Lash. But 
you know, we've learned that just with hard work and persistence, we're, we're able to get over any problem that we've had and we're able to come out on top in the end. Yeah, I agree with like at the end of the day, like when you grow this fast, I mean, we grew our team to like 20 virtual assistant employees very quickly. So, and we, you have the, you have like a, a somewhat of a, like an attachment to them because you're talking with them every day and um, they have a livelihood as well. So you want to make sure that you have money to pay them every week too. So, you know, down weeks, sometimes you're like, all right, you know, we got to really reassess what we're doing here, test other, other ideas, keep pumping out content, whatever it was. And yeah, I think for, yeah, I think definitely one of the hardest parts was just that, you know, you have somebody to pay, you know, you have a group of people to pay every week and just making sure that you're on top enough to make that happen. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, that can get really stressful, hey? <laughs> All right. Well, I'm also curious, guys. So what's next? What's next for you guys? Well, we actually just sold uh, the Urban Lash uh, a few days ago. Wow. In and out that fast. Congratulations, guys. Wow, geez. Thank you. Yeah, we were like, well, we had, um, what's the saying? An offer you can't refuse, you know? <laughs> so, you know, once you kind of figure out the the idea behind things which you know again going back to you don't have to reinvent the wheel there's so much you can do if you can if you can perfect a product if you can um tweak a product to make it more desirable that uh you, you know you have so many opportunities so yeah awesome so you guys start obviously a new business then right new brand yeah well we have a few we have a few brands running right now mostly we're focusing on our general store now just we keep on testing consistently just to find the next hot product which from what we've learned on the urban lash which is more than any other store has taught us we're going to use those branding techniques and what we've learned in the star and scale course and once we find that next hot product we're going to make a uh, make a niche store around it and uh, get a whole product line and i think like for 2018 um Justin and I have been really, really talking about um, our next big store around something. We want to do a timeless product. So, you know, kind of reflecting on some on some big, big companies. Uh, one that we kind of look up to is like Movement, uh, Movement Watches. Mm. Um, watches are a timeless product. They entered the market as a minimalist. Uh, they competed at, from style and price, you know, going with a cheaper price point for a high-end watch. So yeah, I think our biggest goal for 2018 is to roll out a brand that focuses around something that's timeless and and we're, and we're going to push the limits bigger than anything we've done. Yeah, that's cool. I, I like that because, you know, one, one of my mentors said to me, you know, it takes seven to 10 years to build anything of true worth and significance. And yeah, if you build a brand, that's, that's really, I think that you guys, you know, really learned like you know if you, if you can build a strong brand you can do anything right like you can you can build uh, you know an amazing brand around a certain topic niche or market that really serves people that that has really strong longevity then it it, it really um pays its weight and returns in many ways not just also revenue but also the impact that you make and all sorts of stuff so no that's really cool um it's it's really cool to hear you guys want to do that um so couple last questions question number one is if you were if you were to give advice to anybody that was thinking about 
starting an, an e-commerce business or physical product-based business, uh, what would it be? And I'd love to hear from both yourself, Brandon, and you two, Justin, separately. And then, uh, yeah, the best place people can find out more about you guys and your work. Okay, so my advice would be to, first of all, test your product before you start getting into anything big and start investing in a whole e-commerce store and all the systems that come with that. Test your product first and make sure that your market is acceptive of the product and they actually want to buy it. And once you have a proven product that you know people want, then what you should do is you should figure out your message that comes with it, what the product will do for the, for the customer. And then from there, you should really, really learn how to use Facebook ads and uh, Google ads properly. So then you can have a positive return on your investment. And then you can scale up a business as high as you possibly can just by spending more money. And I, I think like what Justin said about testing the market is so huge. And, and for anyone listening who has gone through the course or is thinking about it, you have um, a whole section on there on, on literally like vetting your product. And I think before people jump the gun on things, um, vetting your product is, is huge. Awesome. Couldn't agree more. So guys, where's the best place we can find out more about yourselves and, and your work? Yeah, well, we're kind of underground. Like, we don't really uh, have too much of a presence anywhere. Yeah, like, even like usually, usually people you can say like you know, Urban Lash, but you guys sold that company. So, it, what about your general? Like, if you want to drop your general store or anywhere, like you know, see any of your work or anything. I mean, you can definitely find us on Facebook, and we'd love to connect with whoever from there. Awesome. All right, so it's Brandon Monahan and Justin Kemperman. Yep. Yep. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, look, I just wanted to say congratulations on all of your success. It's been uh, amazing to watch uh, what you guys could do uh, in a very, very short period of time. It's really, really impressive. It's very inspiring, especially for yourself, Justin, only being 17 years old. Like, actually, that's a question I want to ask before we finish. Like, uh, are you still in school, man? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still go to school, but I've uh, chosen all the easy classes and I get out at 1120 because I do that work study program. So it works out and I get to come home and, you know, work on my business, which is what I truly love to do. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Awesome. Well, look, congratulations so much, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you and connecting and uh, yeah, we'll chat soon. Thanks so Thank much, you. man. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview as you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.